Welcome to Right to Refuge, a podcast brought to you by Solidarity, an international charity fighting for long-term change in the refugee crisis. Today we're your hosts, I'm Zara and I'm on Solidarity's comms team. I'm Sarah and I'm the Director of Comms for Solidarity and today we're discussing the power of language and how it shapes and influences the way we talk about the refugee crisis. So in terms of language, there are lots of different terms that people probably know of related to refugees, but actually I think that it's important that we break down the differences in definitions. Um, Last time we discussed some terms in general, um, but I think it's also important that we use language correctly, um, and doing this is crucial in the fight for legal aid and the work Solidarity does. Yeah, so the way that we kind of speak about the refugee crisis, the language um, that we use, including how we identify different groups of people, um, is both kind of legal, but it's also um, it's also political. So if we were to speak about um, a refugee, we're not only speaking about their legal status as a refugee, but we're also speaking about all the prejudices and connotations that come with that. What kind of you know the fact that they were fleeing from persecution? What kind of persecution were they fleeing from? Some people carry with them the meanings of like a refugee being someone who's undeserving um, of Europe's welfare systems. Um, And so I think, yeah, it's kind of goes to emphasize the point in which why the language that we choose to use um, is so important in the way that we think about the crisis as a whole. Um, And it was an interesting, this was kind of discovered early on in 1974, Goffman wrote about frame analysis, and it basically meant that the way in which something was presented to the audience, which is the virtual frame, Um, influences the choices that people make about how to process that information and so I think that's quite like a crucial concept when we're thinking about um, language in the refugee crisis because not only are they like legal and political terms but they're also really shaping the way that we think about the subject refugees asylum seekers migrant routes um, in general absolutely yeah and I think that because we are also on the comms team it's really important for us to use the language correctly when we're kind of talking about um, various topics, whether that be good news, bad news, um, you know. And so, Sarah, what is the difference between an asylum seeker and a refugee? And why do you think that using these terms correctly is important? So um, a refugee is a legal term which was established in the UN um, Convention in 1951. And I know we read out the definitions last week, um, but they are... it generally emphasizes the point that it is someone who is is fleeing persecution for a variety of reasons. Whereas an asylum seeker um, is someone who has claimed asylum where they've arrived in a safe country and they are now going through the asylum process. Once they come out of the process, if they've been granted asylum, they then become a refugee, which is an official status. And then you have the rights to different sort of welfare um, provisions and, and general rights that you gain when you become a citizen. Um, and why this is so important really is because also the word migrant, which is often associated with news that wants to um, portray refugees in a negative light, is used when trying to talk about refugees who haven't actually left, like they've left their country where they're fleeing persecution, but they haven't been able to arrive in a safe country and claim asylum. So they currently have no technical legal status besides the fact that they are um, fleeing persecution, except it hasn't been recognized by international law yet and so a a lot of the time sources such as UNHCR and Amnesty will call those people 
migrants because technically they are moving from one country to another and that's the only legal term that they fall under but really in terms of the way that we need to think about them and their rights that they're owed it being a migrant doesn't necessarily mean they're not an asylum seeker or a refugee they just haven't gone through that process yet and so actually these words kind of builds a timeline in terms of a, a refugee's journey and especially their legal journey and so using the correct language at the correct time is really important so for example there have been a lot of um, sea crossings this week and a lot of refugees have drowned at sea um, and the way that we've reported it in solidarity that like we've seen reports saying that these are migrants who are drowning at sea and we had this whole discussion because we weren't sure you know whether we wanted to we tend to avoid the word migrant because how this because of how politicized it is and we weren't sure whether we wanted to sort of reflect that language that sources that we normally use were using um and i think in the end we decided that it's important to actually use the language but then say why we're using it and that is because they haven't because they're actually they haven't been able to claim asylum yet and so they're not asylum seekers and they haven't been granted asylum yet so they're not refugees so it's actually interesting how the language actually tells you the timeline um, and and what stage they're sort of at. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. But I think also as much as language is important, we do talk a lot about um, the way that we actually portray refugees in terms of visual media. Um, so certainly in Solidarity, what we try and do um, is avoid using refugees' faces on our website, whether that's our social media um, or, you know, any any kind of content we have. Um, and I think that that's also really important as well, um, because I think, you know, there are moral issues if we use their photos. Um, it's just it's just not right. I think, um, you know, individuals that we're showing, whether it's adults or children, they might not necessarily be benefiting from our grants. And also, I think that putting pictures of refugees does kind of feed into a lot of stereotypes of refugees that people might have. So I think a lot of people, when they think of a refugee, they kind of have really negative images some people probably are quick to kind of imagine like someone on a boat kind of arriving illegally and I think that that also gives the idea that some individuals are kind of more vulnerable or less vulnerable or kind of more worthy of support or rights and I think that that's just really wrong so I think that if we play into those stereotypes by showing images I think that that can feed into that um, so I think it's really important that we don't show photographs a lot of charities do but I think that I think that for solidarity we just decide that it's kind of not necessary and that we can actually put forward what we want to say without using images um, yeah I think that sorry no no I think <laughs> what a typical refugee looks like is like really kind of central in that because it's not only about you know what we imagine as someone who is vulnerable but also what we like the race that we attach to that the ethnicity the religion the age um photos that tend to go viral on social media about refugees tend to be to fall into a very specific category they're normally children they're normally kind of lighter skin tone um and i think not just observing those patterns but also being made aware that you even though these the people who publish them might not have done it intentionally but i think that especially if you know as solidarity were putting out um content we don't want to feed into any of those um stereotypes in which people kind of determine what is a worthy person of refugee status and what is an unworthy person. And a lot of that time, people will attach that to their race, their age, um, their religion, um, their sexuality, their gender. So um, yeah, I think that's really, really central. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's interesting as well what you were saying just then about how it might not necessarily be the author's intent to 
make something go viral or have it have negative connotations. But also I think there is an element of kind of white saviorism as well that people think about when you kind of share these images that, you know, we're a charity, we're saving refugees. And I think that it's really important that we also don't kind of feed into that as well, because, you know, everyone seeking asylum deserves kind of respect and dignity and confidentiality as well. So I think that there is the danger of white saviorism as well, um, which can definitely come through. Yeah, exactly. And definitely kind of, especially images that you see of asylum seekers in refugee camps and sort of, you know, the lack of the water, the overcrowding, the fact that all so many different generations are crammed into a tent together, that by putting out those photos, you also create, like you emphasize the point that these people are victims that are suffering. Um, and while that's so important in the work that as a charity you want to do, necessarily putting images and a face to that to the cause is both kind of morally ambiguous because the work that we're doing as you said before does not necessarily will not necessarily impact that individual who's in that photo and therefore kind of using that as PR um, is morally wrong but also because it kind of spreads information about what a victim looks like and who is deserving or undeserving um, of humanitarian work and I think that bo both of those are really slipping on, on morally um, dangerous grounds. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you know, we can recognise that a situation is unfair without having to necessarily bring traumatic images into that. And I think highlighting pictures of people suffering and going through pain is not necessary. You know, we can call people to action without having to represent that pain. We can, we can you know, use our communications in a way that isn't quite so distressing, um, whether that's the distress of people in the pictures or just the audience kind of reading it. Yeah, and I think an interesting example of kind of how, because at Solidarity we say a lot that we don't we don't want to show pictures, we don't want to do this. But then the question is, I guess, what we what we do want to do, and how how we want to therefore share and amplify refugees' voices and their stories and their journeys. Um, and I think one specific interesting angle that we've taken, which we've done sort of from the beginning, is with the Solidarity that it's not just a vehicle for fundraising, but also a a display of your solidarity with asylum seekers and refugees and we the designs that we use on those t-shirts from the first original design with the red square um depicts a asylum seeker's journey um and they were being interviewed during their asylum interview and they kind of drew they drew this map saying you know all the different stages of their life and the different parts that they were going to speak about in the interview and trying to connect it together to create a coherent story um and i think that you know sort of becoming the symbol of the movement is really powerful because it uses a refugee's or an asylum seeker's story and journey through kind of a visual display of solidarity but not necessarily attached to what they look like um or you know what clothes they're wearing what skin color they are but actually attached to what they've gone through and the legal process that they're now having to endure and i think that's kind of central to like our message um and also how like rather than take away from any sort of faces and stories and language to be more creative about how we express them and what those connotations therefore are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, we've actually done really well that we've been able to depict stories of a person using maybe their artwork or their handwriting. And I think that you can definitely get across someone's story using those kinds of mediums rather than necessarily their face. But even if you look at this year's t-shirt design, you know, we've got kind of the silhouettes of people at Elpida Home and that is kind of not showing anyone's faces but we're actually taking an image and we're bringing hope and it, it kind of captures a positive 
in, in this whole crisis, I think. And that's really nice as well. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about this year's design is actually the way that it was a collaborative art project. Um, yes, and it, it, it was not just about, you know, one person's story or the systematic struggle, but it was actually about, you know, it was a community where everyone got together and they drew each other's outlines um, and kind of created this beautiful collage of silhouettes um, both to represent kind of how they are individuals, who they are bodies, they are people, they're not just, you know, refugees in their stasis, but um, also to represent kind of how when they come all together and they show within the um, overlapping bits that they create this sort of beautiful picture of diversity um, amongst all the sort of humanity and individuality. And I think that the fact that we were able to showcase a collaborative piece of work um, to show that, you know, that refugee communities do exist um, even in the most kind of dire sort of circumstances and that art can really be um, a very powerful kind of hum humanitarian vehicle, um, I thought was one of my favorite parts about the design. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that does kind of also squash the stereotype that every refugee journey is the same. You know, we've got all these people coming together and they've all got different stories. They've all had different lives and they're all coming together in this kind of image of hope. And I think that the fact that we've been able to use artwork to represent that is really nice. And that is, you know, what Solidarity is about. And I think that's really nice that we have people wearing these shirts all across universities, not just in the UK, but it is just kind of sharing that message through a simple t-shirt, which is really, really important, I think. Yeah, exactly. And especially the way that it takes, it doesn't require um, any sort of unhelpful prejudices to take up space in that arena. So when we're to, the way that we raise awareness and the way that we talk about the refugee crisis is shaped by, you know, like work that refugees themselves have created um, and by their experience, not necessarily by the language that we see being used um, in the media. So I think it's kind of really important to be creative about the way that we share um, what is so complex and individualized, but also filled with community um, and identity and kind of relay that in a way which doesn't just minimize it to one, one word um, and one connotation. Um, and I remember I was reading this um, article by Daniel Trilling and he talks about kind of the way that we call it the refugee crisis, like that term in itself, and we constantly refer to it. And we're of, of course guilty of doing that, but that sort of um, means that we, we talk about it in a way in which it's a foreign crisis that has landed unexpectedly on, European, on Europe's shores. And now we're just dealing with it and we're constantly catching up. And I think the fact that even we need to question the initial um, premise of like what we call the, the crisis itself um, sort of feeds back into sort of the importance of not just language, but discourse um, and meaning that we create around the subject and the people that we're trying to represent. Yeah, definitely. I think it is just a combination, isn't it, of being sensitive, but also making sure that we get across information in a way that's simple enough to understand and not kind of distressing or insensitive in any way, but also at the same time, we, you know, we're getting a message across without being exploitative. Exactly. Yeah. And we can do that whether it's through pictures, through, well, through kind of using graphics and words rather than photographs, um, or just kind of through awareness raising, and you can do that in a way that is delicate. Yeah, and I think also the fact that we don't change the way that we speak about the crisis based on what's currently on in mainstream pol political news. Um, mm. 
so I know that uh, there's a YouGov survey which talks about how the refugee crisis was spoken about much more frequently and fears were circulating about what immigrants are doing to the country during Brexit and that like dropped by 20% only a month later um, and kind of it just shows how much sort of the, the play is there with, with the way that we speak about the crisis to how often we speak about it and what we think about it and I think the fact that you know these moral um, right this moral framework that we use when we think about how to portray um, refugees and asylum seekers and how to talk about the crisis is consistent throughout um, and is built on a system of humanity um, and morality and the importance of doing effective um, humanitarian work. Yeah, exactly. It's just about educating and empowering, really, I guess, isn't it, in some? Yeah, <laughs> can't argue with that. I think we've covered pretty much everything in terms of language and kind of media portrayal, haven't we? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, there's so much more to be said. There's so many resources that you can read and mm. academic articles which have been written about the technical power of language and images um, and how that feeds into humanitarian work and what the point of humanitarian work really is and how that feeds into white saviorism. But I think, I feel like we've been able to flesh out a few of these ideas um, and sort of keep the conversation going about discourse and the refugee crisis and, and what our role is in all of that. Absolutely. And it's just a case of carrying on that conversation after this ends, isn't it? And just keeping informed, really. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for listening to Right to Refuge. For each episode, we have collated further reading resources, which you can find by visiting our website. There, you can find everything podcast related and also how to get involved in solidarity if you want to make change. Please do subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review as it helps other people find us.